Peace be upon you. One of the most awesome characteristics of God is that he knows everything. Everything that happened in the past, everything that happened in the future, and every single thing about us. He knows what we're capable of. And a lot of times we doubt that. We think that we are capable of less than what God has built us for. And a perfect example of this is with Moses. God created Moses under his watchful eye. He knew everything that Moses was capable of. He knew his shortcomings and also what his strengths were. Yet when God told Moses to go to Pharaoh, Moses' response, he said, My Lord, I fear lest they disbelieve me. I may lose my temper. My tongue gets tied. Send for my brother Aaron. Also, they consider me a fugitive. I fear lest they kill me. This was Moses' response when God called him to action, saying, Hey, you have to go to Pharaoh and you have to proclaim to let the children of Israel go, to worship God alone. And this was his response. He doubted. And God's response to Moses is no. It says in 26.15, he said no. In parentheses, it says they will not. Go with my proofs. We will be with you listening. And it's this element that God is controlling everything, even the physiology, the capabilities, the, uh, the upbringing of Moses was all divinely orchestrated by God because God knew exactly what Moses was capable of, even though Moses doubted himself. In 2041, it says, I've made you just for me. Go with your brother, supported by my signs, and do not waver in remembering me. And that's the reality is that God knows exactly what we're capable of. Every single challenge, obstacle, interaction we have, God has orchestrated and has prepared us, even though we might not be aware of it. He has prepared us to be able to overcome that situation, to grow from that situation, to learn from that situation, if we only trust in God. Now, you have one of two two choices. One is you can buckle under pressure, you can give up, you can walk away, and even that is orchestrated in uh, accordance with God's will. Or you can live up to what God has designed for you to be successful. In chapter 2 to 86, it says, God never burdens a soul beyond its means, and to its credit is what it earns, and against it is what it commits. And 742 reads, as for those who believe and lead a righteous life, we never burden any soul beyond its means. These will be the dwellers of paradise. They abide in it forever. 2362, we never burden any soul beyond its means. And we keep a record that utters the truth. No one will suffer injustice. Every single person in this world is able to withstand and handle any single event that's happened to them. Because God has designed them to be able to overcome these situations. The reality is a lot of times we sell ourselves short. We think we can't handle it and we doubt God's creation. And to show you, I was watching a uh, uh, Planet Earth Season 2 documentary. It was Episode 4 on deserts. And it was talking about the Kalahari Desert. Um, And this is during the time where there is no rain. And animals have to travel hundreds of miles just to get to a watering hole. And it was focused on the sand grouse... um, Uh, bird. And what this bird does is a hundred kilometers away from the watering hole, it's where it creates its nest and uh, uh, the mother stays with the young. But the reality is how do you get water for the mom and for the the chick? So each day the father will travel a hundred kilometers to a watering hole. It will risk its life from being trampled by zebras and elephants and being, being eaten by hawks for every day for two months and travel 100 kilometers back in order to feed its young. 
And not once is this bird question its ability of being able to do this. You don't see sand grouse uh, birds saying, hey, you know what? I really don't want to do this travel. I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm just going to kind of rest and take it easy. No, it's because this is what they were specifically designed to do because God has orchestrated their design to be able to withstand, to be able to handle, and to be able to overcome this challenge. For two months, this bird travels 200-kilometer round trip and threatens its life in order to get nourishment for its family. And you never hear a complaint because it knows, deep down, it knows this is what it's designed to do. Similarly, every single human being in this world has been designed, has been uh, brought up, has been um, conditioned. Uh, how do you put it? They've been trained in order to be able to handle any single thing that happens to them. And it's something we have to be cognizant of. And the reality is a lot of times it's easier to just want to not be in the situation, to pray, to not have to handle it. And you can imagine what Moses must have felt when he was an outcast. He was, uh, in essence, a fugitive, they, someone that they wanted to kill and say, look, you have to go back to Egypt. You have to go back to Pharaoh and you have to tell him off. You have to tell, set him straight. How intimidating must that have sounded to Moses to think that this is what he was uh, meant to do? But if he realized, if he understood deep down from the, the first moment <clears throat> that this is what he was designed to do, no different than the, the uh, sand grouse bird that flies 100 kilometers, risks its life to get water for its uh, uh, young, we do the exact same thing every single day, every single obstacle, challenge, anything that is brought before us, God has orchestrated for us to be able to handle. Now, the reality is, in 17.11, it says the human being often prays for something that may hurt him, thinking that he's praying for something good. The human being is impatient. We think because we can't conceive ourselves overcoming these obstacles, these challenges, that it's better if the obstacle and challenge just goes away. Rather than becoming living up to the expectations, living up to what God has promised us, that if we believe in God, we lead a righteous life, that we will be victorious. And it's easy to pray for an out. What we need to do is not pray to make life easier. It's to make us better. And you think about this, people who have been hardened through life, that they've been through ups and downs, and the way that they can maintain their composure during these events, it's something fascinating. It's something that we should be living up to. Um, and there's numerous cases of this. Uh, there was the movie uh, Angelina Jolie directed, uh, Unbreakable. And you see, this is an Olympian uh, runner, winner. He's in a uh, prison camp in Japan. And the amount of torture and hardship that he's able to overcome. And again, you hear about post-traumatic stress. And these are people who buckle under the situation. But there's also post-traumatic growth. People who grow from such adversity, such tragedy, such um, challenges in life. And God is giving us the option to do either. But a lot of times we pray for something thinking that that's what is best for us, not trusting in God. And uh, I was listening to a Freakonomics podcast and I was interviewing one of the economists at Uber. And he had an interesting uh, stat that it was just it kind of blew me away. He asked, he says, what do you think happened when Uber implemented uh, tipping into the app? Do you think that drivers started making more money or less? And naturally, you would think, well, hey, look, they're driving the same amount. They're making the same amount. Now they have tips, so they should be making more money. 
But what was ironic was that's not what happened. What ended up happening was because tipping was included, this incentivized more people to become drivers. And now that there was an excess supply of drivers and no increase in demand for drivers, that they actually made less. Now, you can guarantee there was probably you know tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who were praying, who were drivers for Uber, who were praying to be able to uh, have tips, thinking that that's what was good for them, not realizing that that was actually going to cause them to have less money. And this is the reality. A lot of times we pray for things we think are good for us. And what we don't realize is that we're missing the big picture. And that's why the trust in God is so important to realize that the Lord of the universe, the entity that has created all this, that has designed all this with such precision, such accuracy, is also the one who's directing our steps in life. So if we ever complain, we ever uh, want something that is outside of the system of what God has designed, we have to realize that if we got it, it's most likely for our detriment. Either that or we just don't deserve it. Um, in which case, again, if you don't deserve it, you get something, you get spoiled, and it ends up becoming uh, uh, against you know something that hurts your soul rather than benefits your soul. Because at the end of the day, anything that draws us farther away from God is bad, and anything that draws us closer to God is good. So anything that's going to bring us closer to God, you can guarantee this is what we need in order to be successful. And sometimes that's not the uh, the medicine that tastes the best. Right? People want an easy life. They want to have uh, luxuries. They don't want to work hard. They don't want to be pushed. But the reality is we have no clue what we're capable of. Um, I was listening to, it was a Navy SEAL. I didn't get his name, but he was saying um, that anytime you think you've ran out of steam, you ran out of energy, you can guarantee that you have 40% more in you. And that's huge. That at a point when you hit your 60% threshold is where you think you can give up. But realistically, you're just over halfway of your threshold. There's so much more you can give. And until you're pushed, until you're brought into the situation, you just don't know. Uh, I know I talked about this before, but it's uh, applicable as a Wayne Dyer quote. You know, one of the aspects in this world is to bring out our true convictions. So you think about it, you grab an orange, you squeeze an orange, what do you get? You get orange juice because that's what's inside the orange. You put pressure on it and outside comes orange juice. The same question goes to the human being. When we have pressure, when we have obstacles, when we have challenges, when we have hardship, what comes out? Is it swearing, anger, complaining, or is it one of these aspects that you realize that this is for our good, that we have to trust in God, we have to live up to the expectations that God expects from us, and if we do, we will be successful. God guarantees that, that you will come out better than what you were before. And we see numerous examples of this. In chapter 2, verse 2, 116, it says, Fighting may be imposed on you even though you dislike it, but you may dislike something which is good for you, and you may like something which is bad for you. God knows while you do not know. Now, most people, if you say, like, if you take the analogy of a healthy body, what do you have to do to have a healthy body? You have to eat well, right? Fruits, vegetables, uh, paleo, uh, whatever, right? You have to eat well. You have to exercise. You have to avoid things that are going to harm your body, be it smoking, uh, be it laziness, be it oversleeping, these elements. And a lot of that does not sound fun, right? I, I like my Doritos. <laughs> I don't want to give up my uh, Coke or candy. And the reality is if you do, that's what's good for you. And it's the same thing for your soul. A lot of the things that are uh, 
going to be pleasing to the ego are actually going to be hurting the soul and vice versa. And the reality is, which one do we give priority to? Do we give priority to our soul or do we give priority to our ego? And when you give priority to your soul, eventually those things that seem so hard, that seem so tough, become easy and enjoyable. I remember when I first started doing my contact prayers and the thought that every dawn, every day for the rest of my life, at dawn, I will have to wake up, do my ablution and perform my contact prayers, read my Quran. And at the beginning, it seemed very intimidating. Now, by God's leave, the second, you know, it's time for dawn, I'm up, I'm uh, enthusiastic, I wash my face, I, you know, do my ablution, uh, perform my contact prayers, read my Quran. And it's amazing the transition that takes place. You know, the opportunity five times a day that I can put everything else aside and focus 100% on God when I perform my contact prayer. These are huge blessings or the aspect of being able to give zakat, to be able to give two and a half percent to someone in need. Um, the other day I was able to, we found someone new to give zakat to and um, uh, we, we gave them some zakat and they told us about the hardship they were going through. And I can guarantee you that response that they gave me, the comfort they gave me in the sense of knowing that, you know, even though I'm an intermediary, I'm doing only what's obligated by me by giving my zakat, but by God's leave, allowing me to hear what a blessing it was to this other individual to be able to receive that mon money uh, was a huge eye opener for me. And it makes it that much more enjoyable to give to the poor. It makes it that much more enjoyable to give to charity, to know you can help someone else. And God says the ones who are more appreciative, God gives them more. And it's a huge test, but this is what we're, we're made for. When you see someone and you have money in your pocket, and I'm not by any means forcing people to give charity if they don't feel right about it, but when you know you have more than enough and you see someone who has a need that you can fulfill, right? Maybe it's uh, you go buy them some extra food uh, during lunch, so you end up getting it for two as opposed to for one, or you uh, give them some cash out of your pocket or whatever, these are opportunities to grow and develop your soul. And the first time it's going to be tough. It's going to be awkward in the sense that you're thinking, I could have used this money. I could have bought, you know, uh, X, Y, and Z. When realistically you realize the joy that God has given us when we give to charity. And there's so many of these examples where we think we want one thing. And the reality is that God knows what's best for us. And it's a real blessing. And this is what it all comes down to is that sometimes you need God to save you from what you want so he can give you what you need. And I'm going to say that again. Sometimes you need God to save you from what you want so he can give you what you need, what your soul really needs, what you need for salvation, what you need to make it back into God's kingdom. And it's an absolute blessing that God refrains you from getting these things that your, your, your flesh wants, the things that your ego wants. Because if you had those things, all it's going to do is distance yourself from God and it's going to diminish your soul. And a perfect example of this is in Joseph. Uh, Joseph, the story of Joseph has numerous examples of this. And one of the ones is Joseph was so good looking, so amazingly breathtaking that when women saw them, they would throw themselves at him. And you think how tough of a test that must be. That you have, like in the instance, uh, the governor's wife begging Joseph to take her and Joseph coming to his senses and not taking the bait. In 1223, the subtitle read, God protects the believers from sin and reads, the lady of the house where he lived tried to seduce him. 
She closed the doors and said, I am all yours. He said, may God protect me. He is my Lord who gave me a good home. The transgressors never succeed. She almost succumbed to him and he almost succumbed to her. If it were not that he saw proof from his Lord, we thus diverted evil and sin away from him. For he was one of our devoted servants. And how awesome is that? That you realize what his flesh wanted was to be able to, to lay with uh, the governor's wife. But by God's leave, God protected him from this. And one of the aspects is when they try to, uh, the governor's wife tried it the second time, Joseph's response said the prison is better than to give into their sin, to fall into it, uh, adultery, to fall, to, to give up chastity. That it's better to be in prison than to lose your soul. And this is the reality. And you think never would someone say, please, God, send me to prison. But at the end of the day, if that's what our, what we need in order to grow and develop our soul, we have to accept it wholeheartedly. And this is exactly what happened to Joseph. Joseph went to prison. And even though he was a prisoner, and even before that he was a slave, he knew God created him. And his value was more than a prisoner, more than a slave. And it's obvious because in these systems, he was promoted numerous times. And um, you would never think that from Joseph's perspective, yes, the blessing he needed was for his brothers to turn on him and leave him in a well for dead, or that he was supposed to be uh, sold into slavery or sent to prison. All these things had to happen, and they were blessings. In the When you see it in a cross-section, they seem like retribution. When you see it in the grand scheme of things, you realize that these were absolute blessings from God because each time this happened, God says he established him. He promoted Joseph because at the beginning, he worked for the governor. Then he worked for the prison system. Then he worked for Pharaoh. He was the highest-ranking children of Israel in all of Egypt. And it's because of this that he was able to save his family, his parents from starvation because they were going through a famine. And you think about Joseph's brothers. Joseph's brothers thought what they wanted was to kill Joseph, to banish Joseph. And what they didn't realize was Joseph's survival and Joseph being able to be uh, promoted was what saved them and their families from starvation, from famine, because it was because of Joseph's insight in order to store the the, uh, the grains when they weren't needed because he saw that there was going to be seven years of drought and seven years of famine, um, that it was able to, to save them. And what they wanted was for Joseph to be banished. But what they needed was for Joseph to survive. And this is the reality. So many times in our life, we pray for something we want, not realizing what it is that we actually need. But God being all-knowing, all-powerful, if we are uh, truly devoted to God alone, God is going to refrain what we want, giving us what we want, in order to give us what we need. And in, I believe it's in chapter 43, it says, If it was not that the whole world would become one disbelieving congregation, everyone who disbelieves would have silver roofs, mansions with silver roofs. And you think about this, it's an absolute blessing that God keeps certain things away. Because if we got more than we deserve, more than we can handle, we would all transgress. And God knows exactly how much we can handle in provisions, in obstacles, in challenges, in interactions, in everything that happens in our life. And a lot of times it's just not obvious. You think of Moses and his teacher. So Moses goes and he's you know asking God for uh, in order for a, for a teacher. And God provides him a teacher. And the three things the teacher does 
Moses cannot wrap his head around. First he goes and he bores a hole in a ship. Then he goes and he kills a boy. And then finally he goes and patches a wall after the town that they were begging for food refused to host them. And in each instance, Moses asks, why would you do that? And the response from the teacher is, how can you stand that which you do not comprehend? And that's the reality, is a lot of times things happen in our life and we want justification. We want to know the whole picture, but we have to be patient. We have to trust in God and understand that this is all happening in God's timing. And a perfect example of this is in Mary. So Mary was a young lady and she was given uh, Jesus in uh, in the news about Jesus and her response <laughs> It's in 1923, it says, The birth process came to her by the trunk of a palm tree. She said, I am so ashamed. I wish I were dead before this happened and completely forgotten. Now, this is one of the greatest miracles to the human race. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about Jesus. He is such a uh, pivotal uh, influence in the world. And this young lady at the time was blessed with this delivery. But the only thing that can be thought of at that moment is that she's ashamed and she wished she was dead. But the reality is in the long term, when everything is said and done, you realize just, wow, what an absolute blessing that this is how the contrast for someone to think that, you know, this is such a burden. I wish I was dead to not realize at that moment, just absolutely how amazing of a gift and of a blessing God has bestowed upon this young lady for her to be the one to give birth to Jesus. And um, it's one of these things that, you know, things happen in our life and it doesn't make sense and it seems bad. It seems like it's a punishment, but we have to be patient. We have to trust in God. And one of the, the last examples I want to talk about is Jonah. You know, here's an individual who was given a mission by God, no different than Moses, to go to Pharaoh. But Jonah was told to go to, uh, he was in Nineveh. And the rulers of Nineveh were the Assyrians. And what's fascinating is when you look at the history of the Assyrians, they had a terrible, terrible reputation of uh, bloodshed and torture. And um, uh, I'll link to some of these documentaries about the Assyrian army. But while other arm, you know, uh, <laughs> empires would uh, promote like, you know, democracy or uh, free trade, um, freedom of religion, these kind of things. The Assyrians promoted their bloodshed. They have their uh, buildings have, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, engravements of uh, the beheadings and heads on spikes and how they use the <laughs> the skins of their, uh, the, the people that they conquered um, for uh, for goods that they would use the bones and the skins of the people that they killed. And this is just terrifying. And now this is the reputation they had. And the, the, the philosophy was they wanted to instill fear into people so no one would challenge uh, their power. And this is what they did. And now Jonah was asked, someone from the children of Israel was asked, hey, go to these people who have this barbaric reputation and tell them that they've gone astray and they need to worship God. Can you imagine you'd say, no way, I'm not going to do that. And that's what Jonah did. And he did not realize that everything was in God's control. And sure enough, when Jonah went to Nineveh, delivered a message, everyone from the king to the lowly peasant, they all repented. They all realized the uh, the errors of their way. And in the Quran and the Bible, it says a 100,000 or more people believed. 
And we don't have that happening. You never hear a story of Jesus going to people and a 100,000 people immediately believing. Or same thing with Muhammad. These are always, in essence, fringe movements. Uh, and it, years later before the uh, uh, people realize the truth and adopt the religion. And to think to Jonah's surprise that he refused to go and by God's leave that God allowed him to survive uh, the ordeal of the fish to be... Uh, uh, thrown up into the, uh, uh, the, the, the sand and to be able to fulfill his mission and succeed. And this is something that you have to realize. You know, a lot of times we get in these situations that seem uncomfortable, that seem like we can't handle, but we have to trust in God. If we devote ourselves to God alone, we do our contact prayers, we give us a cot, uh, we lead a righteous life. We have to wholeheartedly trust in God that God knows exactly what he signed us up for and that we're capable of overcoming uh, whatever it is that's before us. And it's tough. And that's the reality. But a lot of times, again, we pray for something. We think that's what's good for us, not realizing that God truly is the only individual in the entire universe who actually knows what's best for us. And he's the one who's controlling everything. So again, don't get caught up when you want something and you don't get it because you have to realize, you have to trust in God that God is keeping these from us in order to give us what we truly need. And that's the growth and development of our soul. So God willing, we're going to stop there. If you guys got comments, questions, hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. If you got any uh, topics you want us to cover, please let us know. Until next time, peace and God bless.